This is Money Honestly. I'm Jana Heron. Today, Stephanie Asimkos, a reporter on my team at Yahoo Money and Cache, is joining us. We'll be talking about this new trend of first moons for engaged couples. Stephanie, thank you for being here. Great to talk to you, Jana. And we have talked about weddings before um, during the pandemic, right? So this is like right down your alley here. So tell me what are engaged couples facing this year? Just like a world of disappointment and sadness and the couples that I have talked to and you know since starting from March when I was talking to couples who had April May June weddings um, I've been in contact with them and one of them recently told me that she has changed her wedding date three times and now she's just indefinitely scrapped the reception altogether it turned out that they were married in their apartment with a friend and it's just like, we're done. So that is just like a microcosm of the wedding industry in 2020. So what's happening? So sad. It's so sad. (laughs) It is. And, you know, they're, they're making the best of it. Um, And I guess this trend now that we're talking about is, one way that people are making the best of it and that is that's a first moon and that is the the term that's being coined for a it's a it's a pre-honeymoon um is one way for people to get their arms around it but it's also a honeymoon on a much smaller scale and it comes before your wedding and it is uh domestic and it's also significantly cheaper and shorter. And the the key piece of this is that it comes on or around the original wedding date that a couple had that is no more. Okay, so can you give me an example of what um, a first moon looks like? like or um, have you talked with anybody who went on a first moon? I did. I talked to Haley Murphy. Um, She's actually an employee of Zola, which is the um, sort of wedding website suite of wedding planning tools that engaged couples use. And she was actually supposed to get married August 15th of this year. So, you know, two months ago. And now her wedding is August of 2021. Um, But the idea that we really talked about is just how just profoundly bummed she was going to feel on August 15th. Um, you know, she gets that this date has been 18 months in the works of planning. It has been monogrammed on things. It has been engraved on things. It is it is, it was out there. It was official. And, uh, you know, we really talked about how sad her and her fiance were going to be because there was really no way for them to celebrate with others because that would be a violation of social distancing and there wouldn't be any type of celebration to the day. So the idea, and you know, it's not just her idea, but we know that many couples are doing this is that they're taking 
a trip that's on or around that wedding day to make it special and to sort of, you know, celebrate that mile that would have what would have been a milestone in their sort of journey of their relationship. So what Haley and her fiance did was uh, they were supposed to be on their honeymoon for two weeks in Mexico. uh, And that turned into six days in Nantucket, Massachusetts. And uh, they drove up there and rented a house and, that sort of stays in line of, of what this broader trend is of people staying close to home and spending less money. And, um, you know, it's really been, you know, exciting for these couples who have really just had blow after blow of, right. of yeah. what 20 has been. Yeah. And you said like, for example, you know, a lot of weddings are 18 months in the making and people often choose dates for for a reason like it's either some a date you know an anniversary that their parents also have or their first date so those dates often come with it's their own marking and it would be bad to make it a sad day (laughs) I know Yes, people, I mean, this is a terrible pun that I've used before, uh, but people are really wedded to those wedding dates, Jana, is that they have, um, they have a lot of significance of like, like you said, like grandparents anniversaries, parents anniversaries, and then, you know, people who, um, you know, they get engaged and they want to do it in the same date or month or, you know, whatever. And that, that's, you know, totally personal to them that's totally their prerogative and um that's fine if people whatever they would like to do to get to choose their wedding date is is all right by the rest of us um but they want to still do something on that day to not be so so sad and that's what the first moon is so it's it's that getaway uh to just be away and not you know, in the in the mundane day to day. Right. And I was wondering, do you have any stats in general about like how many people have had to postpone their weddings and things like that to give like kind of a scope of how this is affecting couples? I know you've heard of some people went ahead and they either did a really small ceremony or some people maybe did something that was not so good and did a large gathering like the one in Maine and caused all, all kinds of outbreaks. Um, But how many people are actually postponing? Right. So Sola's research says that 62% of couples have postponed their weddings. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. So, but then that, you know, other odd 40%, 38% is that the couples who have gone on with their weddings, they have done, you know, sort of tremendous things to scale down and like uninvite people and, you know, move things to backyards or to living rooms or to zoom uh, and still find some way to, to host and, and go on with the show, so to speak. Yeah. And if you do decide to go on with the show, how much are you spending extra to replan those? Oh, it, is, it is not insignificant. And, and weddings are, already very expensive we know this so but like 27 percent of people have spent between a thousand and five thousand dollars to replan oh, and wow. yeah and you know it, it's 
a lot of this is like, oh, that's, you know, that's highway robbery. That's so much money to replan. Um, but, you know, we need to think about it is that not every, um, you know, not every wedding venue is this big corporation. Um, you know, a lot of people use local businesses, vendors, self-employed, restaurants, yeah. Yeah, restaurants self-employed individuals, uh, you know, small caterer companies. Um, those individuals, those folks have gone without income for months. Mm, yeah. No one is gathering, no one is celebrating anything. So, you know, we have to understand that it's not just the couple that's out this, um, but it's sort of the entire wedding industry that is really struggling. And so you said when you were describing these first moons um, that they're usually domestic, how much would you say they're not as grand as what the honeymoon in in Bali would be, but how much are people spending, would you say? So... Um, what, what I found out from my research with Zola is that the, so the average honeymoon, so let's talk about anything pre-March 2020, right? (laughs) Um, that is, we know that that is, the average is a European destination. It is eight days long and comes with a price tag of $5,000. So if that is the the benchmark, um, so we know that the first moon is usually four to six nights, and then the spend is really about $1,000 to $3,000. So significantly cheaper and, um, you know, shorter as well. And then, you know, Americans... We're not traveling to Europe right now. We're not really traveling anywhere um, because of travel bans and, you know, domestic state-to-state advisories. So by default, these are domestic destination first moons. And people are hopping in cars. Uh, They are not traveling by plane Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't say they're not. There's a very small percentage that are traveling by plane. Uh, no one really is cruising. And uh, they're kind of going within a, you know, an, a, a reasonable radius for a road trip. So if you live in the Midwest, you stay in the Midwest and you kind of just stay in your stay in your region, so to speak. I mean, I guess this on a small scale probably is helping some of those destinations as domestic destinations definitely um you know especially for people who did summer first moons uh you know if it was a resort community that you know wasn't seeing traffic or you know was at a cruise port that wasn't getting you know the cruises that were dropping people off uh you know it's fantastic that people were going there and you know even if you're not eating in restaurants, um, you know, you're still spending money. And uh, it was probably a a boon for those, for those smaller economies, for sure. And for people, what were they doing on their first moons? What kind of activities? Um, You know, you can't do some of the things that you would probably have done on a big honeymoon. So what are the things they stuck with? Yeah, people are, I mean, this is a broader trend of 
just social distancing altogether, but people are primarily going outdoors. They're going to, you know, beaches, lakes, mountain communities, they're hiking, they're kayaking, they're doing sort of these things that get away from other people. Um, so I guess you could spin it as like, oh, that's romantic. It's just, you know, the two of them together. Um, and then we also know that people are renting homes in just to avoid that daily contact with hotel staff. So, you know, renting a smaller property or, you know, apartment or what have you, and then going to sort of these outward destinations that you probably normally wouldn't travel to, um, but now people are. And that's kind of how Haley Murphy and her fiance got to Nantucket. They live in New York City, um, Nantucket, oh boy, probably like a five-hour drive from New York, mm-hmm. maybe. Sounds yeah. right. <laughs> it sounds about right. It may be coming some slack if, it's, if I'm an hour off in each direction. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where they went. And that's kind of the um, sort of the general gist of where people are headed. And I mean, obviously the coronavirus is not going to be with us forever. Um, and we're, you know, hoping that 2021 will see more normal life. So what are the futures of honeymoons? I mean, I guess these first moons would go away when they're not necessary anymore. Um, but what, what were people saying about honeymoons in the future? Right. We, I mean, we really don't know if this is going to be uh, where the longevity is for these first moons. And, you know, I think another piece of this is as the country regains its confidence about travel, um, you know, another piece of that is just spending. And when people feel confident enough or they feel like their bank accounts reflect the amount of money that it should be there to take, to spend, you know, all this discretionary um, income on travel and and something very indulgent and something very lavish. So it'll be when spending returns, when travel returns, and then sort of like where people are going to go. Zola has already seen sort of the top honeymoon destinations already flip. And, you know, like I said before, the number one destination was the number one original destination for this year was Europe. And now it's somewhere in the continental United States. That Mm. is now number one. Whereas, um, you know, no place in the continental United States appeared even in the top five of original honeymoon plans. Wow. Really? Yeah. The whole, the whole game has changed of, of where people are going. So of the original honeymoon plans, it was, you know, Europe, the Caribbean, and then Hawaii, um, which obviously is, you know, in the United States, but not the continental United States. Mm-hmm. And now it's continental U.S., followed by Mexico, Alaska, Hawaii, and the Caribbean. So staying very close within North America, and that's where people are, are headed now. Um, and when I, when I talked to Haley, she said that you know, people still have the the dreams, like the the flights of 
grandeur about these honeymoons. And she still says that people are dreaming of that Bali, you know, honeymoon or the Maldives or someplace that, you know, celebrities go to of just like no one actually goes there, right? But people are still people are still dreaming of that. So, you know, for some people, the dream has changed to a domestic honeymoon and that's fantastic. Um, you know, but some people still have that idea of, you know, the French Polynesia or, or wherever. Um, but one thing is that, you know, the idea of requiring flexible travel plans, that is something that might take a foothold uh, and a permanent oh. foothold in, in the wedding planning scope. And that's the idea of having a booking a transferable honeymoon with floating dates and floating locations. So basically you can book through a company like Travel Zoo, which has partnered with Zola, and you basically put money down like as a deposit, but you're not committed to a particular location or dates. And you know, with the understanding that plans change and mm-hmm. no one knows yeah no one knows what the next year is going to look like and you know even if it's not uh, you know a pandemic that can change your plans um plans can change for weddings for for any reason sure. um, so that's really something that uh Haley says as you know both a bride who had her wedding postponed. And then as someone who works in the wedding industry, uh, that's something that's really going to be a perhaps like a real, real sticking point in the, in the future of just this understanding of, you know, we need to plan for, for contingencies here. Right. Especially if you're putting down so much money exactly. um, and you don't, like you said, it was like $5,000 is the average and you just right. you don't want to be out $5,000. Yeah. And, you know, or having, um, you know, hotels and resorts sort of give a little bit more to couples of sort of more flexible, more negotiable cancellation policies, where maybe you lose 10% of a deposit or 25% of a deposit, or you have longer windows that you can cancel. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the travel industry itself is in disarray and it'll be interesting to see how they come back. Um, Did Haley ever say, did she say that next year when, um, is she getting married on the same date or? So she's actually getting married the following weekend. So she was supposed to be married August 15th and now she's getting married August 27th. Did you Um, ask her if she's going to, celebrate the first moon anniversary oh I should have (laughs) (laughs) um no she's actually saying that it's going to be a carbon copy wedding on the 27th it's the same band it's the same dress it's the same menu it is everything is the same so you know it's kind of this I mean it's one way to look at it it's kind of this gift that none of these couples asked for. And that's the gift of time. And, you know, if they are working, it's another 12 months, another nine months, whatever, of time to earn more money to pay for these, pay for these weddings in in 2021 or 
2022, you know, whenever people do want to have their union and, and celebrate. That's a, I like that. I like, that's a good way to, to end it with that silver lining. It's like you, cause a lot of people do go into debt for their wedding and this might be a way for them to, to not have that debt at least after they get married. Great. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining us today on Money Honestly. And thanks for everyone listening. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review. We'll see you next week.